the Wrong Side of the Red Line Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. Well, it's the uh, first day, it's the morning after the Stars won a one nothing game, which is probably one of the more extreme feats this team has had in, in years. Yeah, one nothing wins are... hasn't been a lot of those lately. Well, this, I mean, they've had... Uh, it was their first one nothing win in uh, in five like something like five years and eight months or something like that. Like that's how long it had been that the Stars had had won a one nothing game before last night's one nothing victory. So you're saying the San Jose Sharks? So you're saying there hasn't been any of those recently? Yeah, there has been zero zero one nothing games for the Stars in over half a decade. Yikes. So it's uh, that says quite a bit about uh, obviously the uh, the amount of defensive uh, lockdown wins that the Stars have had in uh, in over over one. I literally cannot. (laughs) I can't get over how tired you look right now. I'm sorry, but this is just hilarious (laughs) to me. You literally look like <laughs> I have a banana. You you look like you just like crawled out of a twenty year slumber. It's I didn't I got home from the game late last night and I should have gone to bed right away and I didn't. And now I'm waking up to do a podcast. How? Uh, why else? Why I'm extremely awake, aren't I? <laughs> I can't get over this. This is hilarious. Like, you sound and look drunk right now, and it's fantastic. I don't think sound. Just, just, just the way, I, okay, I, not, you don't sound drunk, but you sound like you got about 35 minutes of sleep last night. Like, you sound like your brain has not turned on yet, and you're struggling to process language. You want me to let you lead the beginning of this podcast today while I eat a banana? No, because I have nothing to talk about right now. <laughs> Okay. We really prepared well for this one. As he takes a big gob of banana. Right, let's get on track here. <laughs> you got to This is comical. Ooh. At least at least it's providing something. So, <clears throat> ah, I'm I'm awake now. It's uh last time the Stars won one nothing was over five and a half years ago. It was a combination last night was a combination of Kari letting him playing well. There was good defense, good defensive overall effort. I know some people um who and we've talked about it before on this podcast. Analytics are important, but there were some people who I saw last night take to Twitter and claim that there was uh, that it was not a good defensive game overall, and I, I think that that's a case of looking just at the analytics because sure the shot attempts and the Corsi were in the Sharks' favor, but you look at the quality chances and you look at the actual scoring chances, and the Stars actually had more chances that looked like 
more chances to actually score goals than than the than the uh, than the Sharks did. Um, I mean, I thought Aaron Dell was very good last night. Uh, they had the really nice save on Brett Ritchie, who is it just me or does Brett Ritchie seem to have? Brett Ritchie seems to get either hit the post or have a goalie make a great save on him more percentage of the time than anyone else. Does that seem yeah, fair? Yeah, that's fair. Well, that's like a couple, like Val's rookie year when I swear to God he had probably six or seven breakaways where he would just kind of power pass the defenseman off the far wing and get stuffed in close. So it's I, it just seems to be, an, I mean, granted I don't watch every other NHL team every night, but this seems to be a star's problem where they have one guy who is always getting great chances and just gets robbed and can't buy a goal. Richie can't buy a goal because what's he like third on the team in goals or something this year? Granted, that's not as an, a big of an accomplishment as it would have been last year, but still. Well, Richie is is interesting because it's you you see his shot and you'd think that he wouldn't be that guy. You'd, you'd think he'd be the guy who would who wouldn't be. And now maybe hitting the post goes into that, but you you think he wouldn't be the guy who's getting stopped on. I th- and I actually think the save that Dell made on him the other day, the other night, that's actually it's a hell of a save by Dell going side to side with the glove. But it's one of those where Richie puts it right about that height in the net where a guy with his shot just needs to lift it up, lift right. it up a little bit more. Right. Um, he does hit the post a lot. He's he's also and he also has kind of one of those weird streaks. And he had this in the AHL where Richie will go games where he'll go a streak of five six games where he'll be. Everything will go in. If it hits the post, it'll go. If it hits the post and goes in, it'll, it'll he'll get the bounce off the goalie and it'll go in. And then he'll go a stretch of six games where goalies are stopping him on three on O's and he hits three crossbars in a game. So we have the extremes with him, is what yes. you're saying. So the question is, when do the laws? Does is that a uh, career thing, or just the, do the law of averages ever actually average out? Because I think if it does, he could be a twenty-five. He could be a twenty-five goal scorer a year with the talent he has, and 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 playing and put him as a top six right wing. He could potentially be a twenty-five year, twenty-five goal a year scorer. I think that's fair to say. I don't disagree with that. Let me. Um, I'm not sure what I'm looking up right now. While you look that up, the point I was trying to get to was uh, last night was a game where. Um, I just thought some of the post-game conversation coming out on, on the social media, Twitterverse, about how it wasn't a good defensive game kind of underlies the point that you need to look at both analytics and and watch the eye te- and use the eye test at the exact same time because the Stars may not have had the better Corsi, but you look at the types of saves Kari Lettinen had to make last night. I look at the save he had to make in the first period, um, uh, Logan Couture with his left skate, that was a difficult save, but with the exception of that, he didn't have to do anything out of the ordinary. He made a lot of saves um, in in a good position where they where they allowed him to see the shot. So it's just uh, my rant, which is obviously fueled by me being half asleep right now, <laughs> is the fact that you have to you have to balance both the analytics and the uh, and watch and use the eye test from watching the game last night. Um, I think it's unfair to go out and say, well, they they got outshot. I think it was thirty to twenty, and the Sharks had more technical scoring chances. Where there's a combination of factors that you really have to consider, and you can't just go through and look at, well, this was the Corsi, this was the shots, the shot attempts. It's that, that's my morning rant.
Technically, if Corsi was in San Jose's favor, couldn't you make the argument that it was a bad offensive game for Dallas? I feel like you could make that argument. It wasn't a good offensive game for Dallas. No, they scored one goal, which with this team, 99.9 times out of 100 means they're going to lose the game. <laughs> well, yeah, let's see. Okay, so they've first time in five and a half years, so... Now we're about to watch Sean try and do math on the air, which is... You, you know what's messed up? You said five and a half years ago, and I was like, who's on this team in 2008? And then I remembered it's 2017. And not 2012. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, five, five and a half years ago. So that's five times 82... Uh, you're looking at and probably half a, plus half a season. You're looking at roughly 600 something games. So one in the past 600 games have they scored one goal and been able to uh, actually win a game, roughly. For one goal and win. Technically, it's 450-ish games. Your math was significantly off. I gave the precursor that my math would be off today. Is your math ever is your math ever on? I can figure out save percentage pretty well. Uh, I can also figure out uh, goals against average if the goalie has played an exact sixty minutes. Otherwise, I'm completely. Well, yeah, that's pretty easy to do. (laughs) Okay, save percentage. Uh, Goalie stops sixty three of sixty six shots. What's that save percentage? Sixty three of sixty six shots. Sixty three. Okay, I'm gonna guess. That's around 952. 954.5. Pretty solid. See, that was pretty good. That was you pretty got good. the first you got the first two decimal places, which is which is good in some circles. I, th- I thought that was pretty good. So I, I, I was at what 950 what? I said 952. You said 952. And the actual answer is what 954? 954.5, so I guess if you're rounding up it'd be 955. Okay, but I'll, I'll take that. My coffee just arrived, so it's uh, now the podcast should get a lot better. Apparently, I did a I did a bad thing. I don't, and I didn't do a bad thing today, but I did a thing today that illustrates how awfully dependent I am on Tim Hortons to function as a human being. I went to Tim Hortons and bought a thirty-three ounce jug of coffee grounds, while also Ooh. buying a medium coffee. Did you do you have the what type of coffee maker do you have at home? Do you have did you have to, have to gr- get the it, gr- ground right there? Or? No, well, I don't have a grinder or a French press. Okay. I have literally a ten dollar coffee machine that I bought at Kroger that functions okay. for the purposes that I need. I have no complaints. It hasn't broken yet. Actually, I do have complaints because when I bought it, the coffee pot was cracked. So the like by the third time I used it, it broke. So I had to go buy a replacement pot which then didn't fit the specs of this coffee maker, which means the little hammer underneath wasn't getting triggered. And I didn't realize it until after like the third time this happened. It was just causing the water to accumulate in the top chamber where the grounds are. And like what, and I got it over the summer. So what I would do over summer is I would blend, like I would just fill up the entire thing and then put it in my refrigerator for iced coffee so I'd come out to see, co- to think it'd be done, and I'd see coffee literally all over my counter. And I couldn't figure out why. And then, like, a week later, I figured out, oh, I just need to take this hammer out. 
Actually, what I was doing before then was I was literally hold, manually holding the hammer open and filling up a cup at a time and then pouring it into the pot. And then that just got really hot and it was just a waste of time. And then I figured out I could take the hammer out. That seems counterintuitive before you took the hammer out there. Yeah, it was. It was. I just, I needed coffee. I made this investment because I spent too much. I was spending too much money on coffee. So I'm like, one of my friends at work was like, you know, it'd honestly probably be cheaper for you. Because I never drank coffee until, well, until like all throughout my first four years at school, I never drank coffee because if I had, I rarely had like early morning classes. And if I didn't, I wasn't awake. I'd just skip them because I was a journalism major and didn't really care about class because why do you need class for a journalism major? I mean, that was a rhetorical question. Don't answer that because I know why you need classes. Journalism major. But like my freaking Native American studies class, I don't give two shits about that. Like, no, I'm not waking up at 830 to go to this. But then when I had my internship at USA Hockey and half the time I was showing up to work at 7 o'clock in the morning because I was pulling 16-hour days at two different jobs – that's when I started drinking coffee and then I moved back here and I stopped and then I started taking actual classes that I needed to show up for that were early in the morning and then I got back on the coffee kick. So spending a lot of money on coffee, which led to me investing and in getting a coffee maker, that was a really long-winded story for a, a story that was completely not worth it whatsoever. I'm just now realizing as I finish it, there really was no point to that story. It's okay. It's led. It's now led to me telling about about to tell a story about how I got hooked on okay, coffee. Okay, that's fair. That's which fair. probably which ha, which I would have coffee from time to time, and it was uh, I didn't really start getting hooked on coffee until I started spending every single spending about forty nights a year in an AHL press box, um, and so this would have been my first year covering the Texas Stars. I would have coffee from time to time. Like, I worked in newsrooms, and you know in a newsroom, someone's always had, there's always a coffee yep. maker on, yep. or somebody's, or somebody's making a coffee run. So I had had coffee from time to time in that, in that, in the, that capacity. But even when I would get the coffee, even if, if someone was making coffee, got a coffee run, I was still the guy who didn't actually enjoy coffee, and I'd be like, oh, I'll have something that's chocolatey and technically has caffeine in it. And... Then I started spending 40 nights a year in an AHL press box, and there was coffee readily available at the uh, coffee readily available there in the press box. And just out of habit, I would just start drinking three to four, three to four cups of coffee during the game. So my coffee need slash habit started around 830, 9 o'clock, started with 839 o'clock sessions of drinking four to five cups of coffee. Yikes. Now, so for example, we look at the game last night where the stars win, where the stars uh, win one nothing. I had four more cups of coffee than there were goals in the game. That's alarming. I mean, it was, it was spread over the course of between, I got to the rink at around six for a 730 game, and, and it's spread over the course between six and I finished the last cup Right after I, right as I filed my my story, so it's spread over the course of about six how do you, hours. So how not do you not bad. crap your pants somewhere in between the first and second period? Uh, it's a gift, I guess. I literally, like, I'll have class like to, like today, for example. I have class. I have an eleven thirty to twelve forty five class, and then a one to two fifteen class. I have to pee between the two classes. 
or I will literally spend the last 45 minutes of my second class like hunched over trying to constrict my bladder so I don't literally explode in the middle of class because coffee goes through me that quickly. I guess I'm lucky with coffee. I mean, maybe because I don't drink, I don't wake up and make coffee every day. Um, I typically, it's something where I just end up drinking it while working. And so, like, if I wake up and I don't have anything to do in the morning, I won't have any that day. But if I end up going to go into a game or going to a rink, I'll end up uh, going to practice. I'll end up uh, buying a cup or making a cup before I go. Like this right now is probably is just this cup of coffee right now is just really to fuel me through the rest of this <laughs> podcast. That's really what this That's is fair, for. I guess yesterday I didn't have coffee. I'd like to think that I'm not addicted to coffee, that I just choose to... I actually enjoy... I've grown to enjoy the taste of coffee. Like, I've stopped... I've tried to stop no, I, drinking soda, yeah. diet soda, because I don't drink... I'll have, mm-hmm. like, a regular Dr. Pepper, like, once every six months, just to sort of be like, oh, this is what heaven tastes like. But I drink... I used to drink a mm-hmm. lot of Diet Mountain Dew, and I'll still drink it every now and then. But I've kind of stopped drinking soda, so my body... And I don't... Like, I don't like... Not that I don't like milk, but the only time I like to drink milk is with like waffles or cookies or something like that. So it's just water that I drink, and sometimes I'm just like, I need to drink something that's not water, and I actually enjoy the taste of coffee. So that's kind of why I drink it. Yeah, I actually I enjoy coffee. I enjoy it's. Uh, I take my coffee black, by the way. How do you? Is your coffee just black? I coffee do one or? cream, just a little bit of flavor. One cream. Okay. I, it's just, it was explained to me once because a lot of the people that I know do like, you, you know, the Kerrigs where they have like the caramel whatever thing majigger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I put one cream yeah. in it and they're like, yeah, you go over there and you enjoy your hot bean water. I'm like, okay. I'd like to think that this is a nice wholesome way and I don't feel like starting my day with basically a pound cake. I just need something to wake me up. I don't need a big sugary treat to greet me with diabetes and pancreatic cancer every morning. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't need those. Uh, when I when I worked in as a freelancer and down in the down in the Austin area, and I covered the Round Rock Express, who are the AAA affiliate of the Texas Rangers. They have the uh, there's a wall of uh, you know like those IKEA bins. That are not not the big ones, but the ones that are like each one's probably like four inches by four inches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can stack them. So there's an IKEA stacking storage system that's probably about I want to say it's about sixteen by twelve that's set up in the in, with all of those bins, and each one has a different individual type of curry cup coffee. Interesting. Like, and it's stuck. And it's stocked by the equipment, man, the equipment man, by the lo- equipment manager and locker head of the locker room guy for the Round Rock Express, and I've never seen that many different types of Keurig coffee, like in one spot. And they've got all the everything from like the super sugary, where you basically take a cupcake and stuff it in there and squish it down, to the one where it's like jet black, where it's like just they basically took like okay, we're gonna take the normal amount of coffee beans in one cup. Multiply it by seven and squeeze it into a little pod, and it just runs the gamut and the spectrum of if there's a type of coffee that Keurig has made, you can get there. But, and I'm only sharing this story because the sugary ones are even worse the farther you go down that screen. Because why do I want to take some cupcake mix and icing and then put it into a cup and maybe liquefy it? That's not what I want for breakfast. Yeah. 
I want my cupcake to stand. I want my muffin to stand right, exactly. alone if I'm going like, to have a muffin. I'm going to enjoy it. Anyway, I figured out what I was looking at. Yes. And oh, really? It wasn't actually what I was trying to look up. It just kind of dawned on me by looking. But um, uh, young Mr. Richie has had his two highest time on ice totals in each of the last two games for the season. 17-17 against Calgary and then 17-07 against San Jose. He'd only had one other game this year where he played 17 minutes, and that was 17-05. So getting a little more ice time now. Playing with Tyler Sagan like he did last night. Yeah, I won't dispute that. that. Um, uh, It's... uh, I thought... uh, one of the oddest things, I thought last night, um, I don't know if you noticed in the game, there was a time where the Stars intentionally set, two times, two or three times last night, where the Stars actually sent Tyler Sagan out over Radic Foxa for defensive zone faceoffs. I did see on Twitter that he was right. killing it in the like, dot Sagan was. Night. Yeah, yeah, he went he went 10 for 13 in the faceoff circle. He was their best faceoff guy, and so it's, it was actually good coaching. You send out your best your best center for the face-off, but it was just interesting and kind of funny to look at where, um, like, for example, there was one play where the Stars got caught in an icing, and Cody Eakin was supposed to take the draw, but he complained that his skate blade or something wasn't good. He showed it to the ref, and the ref actually let the Stars make a chain after a change after an icing, and Eakin went to the bench to get his skate uh, worked on, and, and Ruff sent uh, Sagan out to take the defensive zone draw right after uh, the Sharks had put out the Thornton line. And so it was, which, and obviously, I typically don't want to see Tyler Sagan in the defensive zone against the Thornton line because they'll (laughs) never get out of the zone. You know, something that I haven't really understood this year is when the Stars acquired Tyler Sagan, the whole guise of that, as if you needed a reason to justify acquiring a 21-year-old former number two overall pick who had just had a, kind of down year after being almost a point per game player was that they were saying we're going to put him back at center his natural position and he's going to take off and they're playing him at wing almost exclude not almost exclusively they're playing him a lot at wing this year i'd say he's played probably about 80 80 to 85 like, percent at right wing you're requiring him to be a center now you're putting him back at wing doesn't make sense it's and I, I was never a fan of when I think Cody Eakin gets a bad rap from a lot of people. Like I think Cody Eakin gets gets crapped on way too much by people. However, I also think I think people need to and some people do look at this correctly, but a lot of people need to look at Cody Eakin is not used correctly. Cody Eakin is a very effective second or third line center. Cody Eakin should never be no, a first line not. center in the NHL. And and the fact of the matter is, it's always interesting, I'll use the word interesting when you see Cody Eakin is the top line center on the Stars, when you've got, in games when you've had both Spezza and Sagan right. playing I right feel like, go ahead, go ahead. And, and, I, and, and, and I understand Eakin is a better defensive center than both of those guys, because Sagan and Spezza are not good defensive centers. They're not. I, I know that. But with how the Stars play when they're good... And you're trading chances, and they're not winning games one nothing like they were last night, which is a rarity. You want you need to have your best offensive players be your be your centers. That, that's just 
I mean, Cody Eakin should be your third line center, and that's why I think they should protect him still. He should, he should be protected for the expansion draft. We've talked about that, but he should be your third line center. Um, and it's. Well, I, it's I've like lost you're, my train of thought when you're here. doing that, it's almost like you're diluting your own product because if you're trying to mix and match guys, you have some defensive responsibility out there with Tyler Sagan or out there with Jamie Benn. You're not getting all you can out of that line because I mean maybe perhaps because I think of the game of hockey in a weird, different way. I feel like your best the best defense in some instances with your top line players is never being in the defensive zone, just possessing the hell out of the puck, creating scoring chances. And I feel like if you throw out a line of Tyler Sagan at center, Brett Ritchie on the right wing, and Jamie Ben on the left wing, that's a line that's more often than not not going to be in the defensive zone. And it just it makes too much sense to just have that that's, out there. And the, I mean, this having this line, the lineup they have right now, this should be a tap in down the middle. Sagan, Spezza, Foxa, Eakin, whatever order you want to throw them out there, you have a tap in. Mm-hmm. You have four really good centers on your team who are good at different things that fit can fit into whatever role you want to throw them into. And and the other thing is too, people keep. I think people get wrapped up too much in the fact that. They think, oh, a fourth-line guy, he's not going to play a lot. The NHL now, you don't have fourth-line guys. You, I mean, you're, the, the disparity now between your first-line center and your fourth-line center now is maybe three minutes. That, I mean, it's, it's, not what it's, it's not what it used to be where it's not where you would have uh, – it's not like the, the Oilers. If you, I think you think of the Oilers when Gretzky was – you felt like Gretzky was on the ice every other shift. Well, the disparity between Gretzky and the fourth-line center on the Oilers, and I'm not sure exactly who that was – um, somebody can somebody can look that up for me. Was probably close to eight to nine minutes a night. Probably you're probably looking at your fourth line center was getting maybe six seven minutes while Gretzky was getting close to eighteen. Now you're looking at your your team and your top line center is getting seventeen maybe fifteen sixteen minutes. Your fourth line guys are getting maybe twelve thirteen minutes. It's just because a guy is a bottom six guy now, they still have to be able to play. That's how this league is. I mean, Curtis McKenzie scored the Stars' only goal last night, and he had the least ice time on the team at eight fifty three. It was, and you could argue that that fourth line should have gotten more minutes since they were the most effective. They, they, you watched the game and you felt like they were, because you noticed them the most, even though they got the least ice time. They had the biggest impact in the game. They scored the only goal. They were, um, McKenzie not only scored the goal, he also drew a key penalty. Stars didn't do anything with the power play, but he drew a penalty against Brent Burns in the first period. And that's obviously a trade you'll always take. Brent Burns is arguably an MVP candidate. You get him off the ice for two minutes. It was you put it right. I mean, tap in, slammed up, whatever words you want to use. You have your four centers. Whoever the, whoever's the coach of this team next year, it's not hard to go through and say, okay, these are my four down the middle. Then let's figure out what works with who. Because I personally, I would love to see, I think Ben Sagan, I think Ben Sagan, uh, Richie is a great first line that you can build around and say, you know what, let's build some chemistry here and let's, let's, let's ride that. Yeah, every I don't point. just like, it just, it makes too much sense to me. I don't understand why. I, I don't understand how that gets screwed up. I mean, I guess I kind of do understand it because you're just trying to mix and match, and there's still this. I don't want to call it a fallacy, but it's kind of a fallacy in with some NHL people that you need to mix and match and have defensively responsible people counteracting your offensive people and just working together and blah blah blah. And I don't get it. Throw your best guys out there together. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong. Like they people talk about that supernova line when they throw Spezza up with 
Sagan and Ben. Why is it such a why is it such a big freaking deal that they're playing their three best players together? Like I get you want to have balance throughout your lineup, and in some cases, like with Chicago, where Kane and Taves rarely play together because they have that many good people. Or if you look at Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. but I mean, this isn't really a good example because you could throw me on a wing with Sidney Crosby, and I'd still probably score ten goals in the NHL just because of him literally setting the puck on my stick. Like Connor Sheary is almost a mm-hmm. point per game guy this year. I didn't know who Connor Sheary was three years ago. Never heard of him in my life. They have guys. They have like Jake Gunsel's like got like twenty three mm-hmm. points in thirty games. Like that's. I mean that's a rare exception because of because Sidney Crosby is hockey Jesus. How do you, how do you have two? I just thought how do you? It's have, not Connor McDavid. Sidney Crosby didn't retire yet, so he couldn't have a chance to reincarnate into somebody else. Anyway, but I mean, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not, I feel like it, it shouldn't be this, that big yeah. of a deal when you're playing your best players consistently together. If, if they have the, if, with the caveat being if they have well, I mean, solid chemistry together. The one problem, the one, the one thing I will say, just the problem with the Ben Spezza uh, Sagan line, just because you, you just have to be slightly smarter about it, and is because. Spezza doesn't care defensively. Sagan doesn't care defensively. And so all of a sudden, you don't want Jamie Ben being the most, you don't want Jamie Ben being the guy who's thinking defense first most on a group. You just have to be, and I'm fine with, I, I, when that group plays together, I think it works really well in home games. Just sometimes it's hard to have that click. Uh, I think it works really well with Richie out there because Richie, while Richie is an offensive first player, he still has gotten better defensively. And he's a younger guy who can accept the role. You know what? I'm going to back check a little bit more because I know Tyler Sagan is going to be probably hanging out around the circles a little bit as soon as we get the puck. That's a fair point. Because if, if you ever watch, have you ever watched, if you ever watch and get a chance to, if they ever do an ISO, they won't do it because he's 33 now and is no longer qualifies as a star. But if Jason Spezza, if you ever watch Jason Spezza, isolate on Jason Spezza during a defensive zone possession, he does not care. And he, I don't think he's cared defensively in five years, though. So, <laughs> I mean, Jason Spezza cares about caring, getting the puck out, caring, creating offense, and the extent of his defense is if they're going to put me at center, I'm going to try and win the defensive zone draw. Then after that, I'm going to go try and stand by a guy on the point, and maybe I might disrupt something. That's a fair point. <laughs> so. I've actually, while we've been talking about this and coffee and, and supernovas and everything like that, I've actually figured out an itinerary for the, uh, for the, for the, for the second half of this podcast here. The, uh, we're going to talk a little college hockey, and that's going to regard around two things. Uh, first, I want to start with uh, Stars signed. Uh, we actually learned, saw his name pop up last week when we were recording when Bob McKenzie tweeted about uh, uh, Gavin Bayreuther who the Stars, undrafted college free agent, who the Stars signed out of St. Lawrence this past week. And uh, if you haven't gotten to read the story yet, go check it out. It was actually, I haven't, I, I didn't go back and dig it up yet, but I think it's the probably the first high-profile college free agent the Stars have signed, at least since I've paid attention to hockey. I can't think of the last time the Stars have been able to go out and been actually in on a guy and signed a guy who was a well, high-profile cons- no, undrafted can, college I mean, free agent. Can, only can you? Probably five, maybe six guys a year who qualify in a good year, even who qualify 
kind of in that regard as quote unquote high profile guys who could be legit. I mean, you'll see him mm-hmm. sign guys who, you know, to fill out rosters, like, you know, be AHL guys that maybe turn into something, but. Well, yeah, the, right, the, the, right, right, right. I'm, 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 I'm talking have, about guys who they sign who are actually NHL, who actually NHL, other teams, NHL, other NHL teams are pursuing, not guys who are getting three or right, four AHL I know what offers, you're saying. not like guys, guys like that. You're signing with the intention of them yeah. competing for an NHL roster spot the coming season after that. And to, I guess the, the long way around answering your mm-hmm. question is I don't know that they've done that in the last almost 20 years now. I don't think so. I can't think of anyone. And it was uh, it, it was interesting because I talked to uh, Mark Morris, who's the coach at St. Lawrence, quite a bit about this. Uh, he's the coach who coached uh, Beruther his last year, his last season uh, in college. And uh, Morris is a guy who used to be an AHL coach for the Charlotte Checkers, uh, and he's, he's had a couple stops in the AHL. He was a good college. He's a good second-tier coach. He's a guy who's never going to be an NHL coach, but a good good guy who's connected in the hockey community. And it was interesting talking to him about how the Stars put the press to sign uh, sign Bayreuther, who's a guy who is a point-per-game player in college, left-handed, um, a guy that if you're looking at you on a mobile defense, and maybe he could be the guy, who knows, and this is obviously he still has time to for this to happen, but maybe he could be the guy to play next to John Klingberg in two years. Just just throwing that out there and just the role that if it's if, if Essa Lindell doesn't hold on to that spot – um, he could be the guy to fill that Alex Goligoski role in two years. It is, on a side note, it's kind of sad we're still looking for someone to fill the Alex Goligoski role at this point. Uh, but the Stars really put the press on with Bayreuther. They, they did a really good job of, they watched him play quite a bit. Jim Nill actually went out to St. Lawrence, which is in upstate New York, and watched a couple practices and talked to him in person there. They had... Uh, Mark Morris talk, spoke with uh, Carl Taylor, who's the assistant coach of the Texas Stars, about quite a bit about him. And there, and, the, and uh, Carl, Carl and Morris are good friends from their time in the uh, LA Kings system. And 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 Taylor gave was giving him insights into all about the, how the star system works. And and then on top of all of that, Rich Peverly, who is, I wrote about, I've written this a couple of times now. Rich Peverly, who. Don't be surprised if 10 years from now some NHL team names Rich Peverly their NHL general manager. Rich Peverly is the fi- guy who finally seals the deal with having a... And, and Rich didn't tell me exactly how involved he was, but Rich did confirm to me that he was certainly involved in uh, landing Bayreuther and had some conversations with him. Obviously, being a fellow St. Lawrence alum didn't hurt, but it was it was impressive to see this was the press... When, when, when you see, it was kind of impressive to see that this was the uh, the press and the play that got him to sign. And it's, it just makes you think about whenever you see the, uh, you know, how each, this, each, this time of year, each year, you see um, people tweeting about, oh, these are, this college free agent, his list is down to five teams. His list is down to these teams. He's looking at these teams. This is the kind of pitch that he's getting from three, four teams all at once. It was just kind of impressive to see the background on that, get an insight to see what, worked at least for this kid and obviously it didn't hurt where he loved the idea of playing uh Beiruther loved the idea of playing in Dallas where he can wear shorts to the rink since he was kind of sick of bus trips in, in the snow and his other team he had really considered was Buffalo which obviously uh, he'd be stuck in quite a bit of snow up in Buffalo right snow. I don't understand why that's not more of a, a sales pitch when you're pitching free agents on Dallas be like dude you don't 
t you see that big heavy winter coat that you're wearing to the rink every day? You can leave it up here. You're not going to need that. You'll need that maybe one day a year down here. Well, that, I mean, I would if you're making a pitch to three agents. There's three before you even, even if before we even talk about the hockey side of thing. There's three things that I look for at Dallas. One, it's the weather. It's two. It's the uh, you take a look at the no state income tax here because that that's a play where you look at, for example, uh, Jamie Ben and, and and Kopitar have around similar salaries for next season. Correct? Yeah, I that think sounds they about might be right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, but I think Ben technically is going to make an extra million dollars since he doesn't have state income tax, and Kopitar is getting just raked over by California state income yeah, tax. Yeah, that was something when he when Ben signed, I thought it, I mean, not that he's not worth every penny that he signed for, but I thought that they would get him for a little bit less than that because of the no state income tax. Well, I, I think sometimes the guy's agent's going to go out there and make right. sure he gets. Well, right, I completely he, understand yeah. why, but at least at, at least the illusion that it's the same that it's more money. Right. Because it's uh, and then then the third thing that uh, I go through and pitch is the fact that you can go and you can be. This, it's a good fan base. The stars have a good fan base and the media coverage is. And but the fact is, you can go through here and you can actually have a normal life outside of hockey here. Like Jason Spezza's, I've talked to Jason Spezza a couple times. How he and his wife can go out to dinner in Dallas, and he's not going to have six people at the restaurant telling him how many faceoffs he lost the night before, like he like it was in Ottawa. I was gonna say, you go to Dallas and you're not gonna have fucking Steve Simmons write a bullshit column about you going to a hot dog vendor before every home game. Yeah. It, it, so those would be my three, those would be my three pitches for if, if I'm, if I'm in the stars position, I'm making a free agent pitch to a guy before I even discuss hockey and numbers. Those are just things where like, Hey, come down here, see the weather. So you can wear shorts to the rink right now. It's a nice area to live. And it's, we have a better future than the other. We have a better future than some of the other uh, warm weather teams. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. The, um, I mean, I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about Bayreuther in the future when I actually watch him live, because um, it, it's 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 one of those where I've seen him play now twice over the video feed from the AHL video feed, but obviously an AHL video feed is very so-so. But I thought he was good. Um, and uh, moving on in the uh, college hockey talk, we've got the uh, NCAA bracket that was announced on Sunday, and it's uh, stars have a pair of players to uh, pair of players to keep an eye on, two pair of prospects that made the NCAA tournament: uh, Rhett Gardner at North Dakota, and obviously uh, Tufty uh, Riley Tufty at Minnesota Duluth. And Duluth was a uh, two seed. I mean, sorry, one of the number one seeds. They were second overall seed, and they. Uh, if you're looking for something to watch, that's uh, their their region is on Friday, and uh, then those they could meet in the regional final on Saturday at six. They could play against each other. Um, you watch more college hockey than I do, Ryan. What uh, overall at the NCAA bracket? Who's winning this year? Well, when you say I watch more college hockey than you do, I watch more college hockey in terms of I watch one team. It's not college hockey in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, but... See, I haven't... I feel like I would be more qualified to have answered this last year because last year I actually kind of paid... Well, the last two years I kind of paid a little bit more attention because 
mm-hmm. Bowling Green was a lot more relevant in the national conversation, at least in the early parts mm-hmm. of the season. And this year, they just kind of they kind of crapped out early, and it was one of those things where um, where they were only going to make it if they won the tournament, which they almost did. But um, I mean, I feel like BU kind of, even though they're I think Denver's the number one overall seed in Denver. Mm-hmm. How far? I don't remember how far Denver made it last year. Um, I've not. Didn't I they think make they it made to it the, to the. They lost in the regional final. Okay. I, hold on, I'm going to look this up while I continue to talk. But um, I mean, I think the uh, conversation has to begin and end with Boston University, just because of the sheer amount of talent on that roster. Where it's like, mm-hmm. God, they have like ten first and second round draft picks, so they're going to be a tough out. Um, well, and they're and they're and they're in that region. That's probably they're in that same region where both the stars prospects are playing, which you could argue is maybe the tough is definitely t- the toughest region. Or like you know how in soccer sometimes they call it group yes. of death, like in the World yes. Cup and everything like that. And so the region with Duluth, Ohio State, North Dakota, and BU. Ohio State is the one where you're, you think, okay, Duluth, that's the one where, okay, Duluth wins that game, and the, but the North Dakota-Boston University game, that's going to be a dogfight. North Dakota obviously won the national title last year. Um, that's that's a hell of a region. Uh, yeah, everywhere else you look at and you go through and you take a look at at the draw and you think there's a clear favorite in both games at least, um, except maybe in... Uh, I don't know, like, so I go through Denver, Michigan Tech. Obviously, Denver's the clear favorite. Penn State Union, Penn State's the clear favorite there. Minnesota, Notre Dame, Minnesota's the clear favorite. Cornell, UMass, Lowell. Uh, I don't know, maybe maybe that one's a bit of a, more of a toss-up, right? Between Cornell and no, UMass, I think Lowell? No, I think I'd have to say Lowell's the clear favorite in that one. Lowell's okay. been pretty well lately. Yeah. Harvard, Providence, that's a, it's a, it's not a bad game. And then Air Force, Western Michigan. Western Michigan should be favored in that one. Um, and then Duluth, obviously, he's, Duluth, Ohio State could be a good game, but Duluth, is, I would still think Duluth win. But then that North Dakota BU game, it's that could go either way. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, I guess I didn't, I didn't really look at, I kind of looked at it, but I didn't memorize the bracket. So, I mean, if BU can get through North Dakota, that's obviously going to be there. Well, those first, if they can get through, I think if BU gets through those first two games, they're probably going to win it because then they'd end up playing either Harvard or Western Michigan, I would guess, in the Frozen Four. Mm -hmm. Damn, they're going to have to beat some pretty good teams to get through that because they theoretically could end up playing North Dakota, Duluth, Harvard, and Denver into winning a championship, which is you're beating four top 10 teams right there. Do you see, uh, Mm -hmm. speaking of Ohio state, they, uh, one of the, they have this big ass defenseman. who's like six, seven, who just got suspended for the fifth time in two years. Wait, in college college hockey, hockey, he's been suspended five times in two years. And I saw the hit that he got suspended for. It was bad. I mean, it wasn't, do you remember a couple years ago when Jacob Truba absolutely annihilated? I think it was like Reed Seckle from Northern Michigan just absolutely crushed him from behind. It wasn't quite that bad, but uh, it was it was a okay. pretty. I, re- I remember I remember the Truba. I remember the, the Truba, Truba hit was yeah. one of the worst hits I've ever seen in college hockey. Yeah, but uh, this one wasn't mm-hmm. like that bad. But he 
elbowed a dude pretty hard in the head. And yeah, he's been suspended five times in uh, two years. So he's he's just, he got suspended two games. So unless Ohio State makes it out of their regional, which they're not, they'd have to they'd beat have to Duluth, beat and, Duluth then, and either North or so they're they're not making it out of that regional unless some act of God happens. So his is he fight? Does has he been fighting know, too? Just, like how do you get suspended? He's a big guy who crushes people, and like, apparently he doesn't know how to crush people without delivering illegal checks to the head or something. I don't know, but um, but he's a senior, so his college career is basically done. Um. Is he drafted no, a, by anyone? I think he's a top is he, is he, three agent just because he's like six seven or something like that. He's a guy who could probably get an AHL deal and probably join an right. AHL team after maybe on Saturday if the uh, <laughs> if Ohio State loses on Friday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Denver made it to the Frozen Four last year. I just pulled up the bracket. That was okay. the uh, when they got a little lucky because Ferris State beat. St. Cloud in the first mm-hmm. round and totally screwed up every bracket out there. God, watch Michigan Tech do that again. This do that this year. The WCHA just ruining everyone's hopes and dreams. The uh, I talked to so the Texas Stars GM, the Texas Stars GM, and the Dallas Stars assistant GM Scott White, who is uh, he's a, he's a fellow Michigan. He's a not a fellow. He is a Michigan Tech alum right. actually, um, and so and so he actually was. And he knows I went to Bowling Green, and so the week before the game, he was. We were talking about that game, and he was. Uh, he ended up, of course, figuring out how to get his scouting routine to go to that game up in Houghton nice. on, uh, on Saturday. That's awesome. On Saturday, and uh, the one thing that he commented, and we were talking a little about a couple of players last night, but he was telling me the one thing that. The WCHA did right, and everyone's kind of been giving them credit on tw- on Twitter and social media for us. Doing the campus sites was the doing the campus sites for conference championships was by far the best decision a conference Ingenious. can make for college Man, hockey. I saw I saw the attendance figures for all Atlanta hockey needs to do that too because they had like six hundred people yeah. show up for their championship game at where where the Rochester Americans mm-hmm. play. So six hundred people in there is not a lot of people. Yeah. And that was what it was like the last two yeah. last three years at both Van Andel and Grand Rapids and then they play at XL. They played uh two years ago and they were gonna play again this year at XL in Minneapolis. And it's one of those things I mean, it was completely different when it was before conference realignment, when it was Saint Cloud, Minnesota State, Minnesota, Wisconsin, all these teams in the WCHA. And they had and then, you know, the CCHA, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State playing at Joe Louis Arena where it was so much more regional-based and you knew you were going to draw. Like the NC, NCHC and Hockey East both drew very well for their conference championships at off-site games mm-hmm. this weekend because those are still, yeah. you know what I mean, they're still somewhat regionally-based and they're still teams with religious, fanatic followings. So you know you're going to draw for those games. Mm-hmm. But when you, you have these smaller conferences and you have – so say you have this year, you have Bowling Green and Michigan Tech playing in the championship game at XL. I mean, that actually, I mean, that wouldn't have drawn great. It would have done better than I think some of the matchups could have done because that's kind of, you would have gotten a lot of Michigan Tech fans going to that because that's not a awful hike from Houghton. But for BG, I mean, BG, that's still yeah, a flight or an eight-hour drive. But but you still would have been, if, you, if, you're, if we're talking Excel, you still would have been, at best, at best, yeah. four thousand people it, in a sixteen thousand yeah, seat. I, I don't even know That's if they still... would have done four thousand for that. But 
Yeah, I'm 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 just giving right. an over. I'm just giving the uh, yeah. thinking positively. But yeah, the God, the atmosphere. For, I had it on the radio for most of the game, and uh, the online because I apparently don't own a clock radio anymore. I had no idea that the iHome that I have doesn't do radio. So the radio feed went out after the first overtime. So I was or midway through the first overtime. So I was sitting in my car for a little bit listening to the game. Then uh, the WCHA their Twitter account said that they were just showing the rest of the game for free online, and I pulled up the feed literally right after Shane Hanna, like literally half a second after Shane Hanna scored, and it was then that the, oh. it was going bananas, and I'm just sitting there thinking, God, I I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know how much money I would have paid, but I would have paid probably three figures to have seen that game in Bowling Green. Oh yeah, it's. The thing, the thing they need to do is just the perfect formula the WCHA needs to take. And I realize we're going on a tangent here, and we're probably losing listeners right now because there's not really <laughs> that many college hockey fans who are who are listening to this Dallas Stars broadcast. But the thing with uh, the WCHA needs to do is they need to keep that same format, but they also need to figure out a way to get on the regional TV, like whether it's the regional Fox network, something like that, where it's at least on television, where it's easy enough that if somebody wants to go see the game – they can go to their local Buffalo Wild Wings or local sports bar that's got a decent enough sports package that the game will be on. There. Well, that's just the one thing they need. You can't. The tough thing about that, well, I mean, not with the TV deal part, but they had they set it up in town that they had the game, they had a live stream of the game going at Uptown Downtown. Well, at Downtown, not Uptown, because no one goes to Downtown okay. to watch TV or Uptown to watch TV. Um, they had it live streaming there, but I guess they tried Frickers first, and they declined. And I'm not sure who else they tried, but I know the AD said that a couple of local restaurants declined. So I don't know if they went to Beat Ups too and tried to get it there. The tough thing about it this weekend was it was right in the middle of the first round of the NCAA tournament, so no one was really interested in showing it. Yeah, but I mean, not I mean, not that if it was on TV, I mean, you don't have to go and do those hoops with that. But they did. They did have it set up, yeah. and then they had a watch party at the student union too for students to come in and watch at watch the game at online. So I mean, they did have options. Mm-hmm. But I get what you're saying that the fact that there was no regional TV deal, and in some places it's hard because you know at Bowling Green's press box, it's so small that it's a chore whenever BCSN is shooting the games. Let alone you get Fox Sports Ohio coming in, and that screws everything up even more. I'm not disagreeing with you. I think mm-hmm. it'd be great. And it's not like it would yeah. take away from mm-hmm. the attendance at all. I mean, you had students at Michigan Tech yeah. camped out the night before trying to get into that game. Oh yeah, it's it, it's it's the great it's I don't it's not for the Frozen Four, but I'd almost argue it's not a bad idea for college hockey just to go go campus sites for the first round oh, no. of you do the first yeah the to go first regional two, two games at the higher seed because you got like who do you yeah, have you go, you the... freaking cincy this year you have uh harvard providence air force and no that's not that one it's the uh denver tech penn state and union like how are you, you think you're gonna you i mean you'll get michigan tech fans for that but you think denver fans are gonna come fly for that game you think i mean penn i mean you'll get penn state no. fans too because that's not, actually not that bad of a drive but you think yeah. union fans are going to come down for that game it's the same thing you're going to draw four or five thousand people in an arena that holds 13 14 thousand yeah well it, and it's it, it, so you would have in this year you would have denver uh let's see denver 
Duluth, Harvard, and Minnesota would just yes. all host a regional. And the only and the only way attendance and you know what attendance if if the host team loses in the first round first game of the regional, you know what the the sec the regional championship game or the second round might take a slight hit, but it would still be the same attendance right, exactly. you had at a neutral. You get site. more energy in the building, which is and it it goes into this thing that college hockey is such a niche sport. And you're trying to do what you do with bowl games and the basketball tournament and the NIT and whatever and whatever and put it at neutral site games to – and, I mean, there's some teams that – I mean, you have – for example, you have North Dakota and Duluth both playing in Fargo. Those games, that whole regional is going to draw well because those – it's a short drive and yes. those fans are crazy and they're going to – they'd be willing and, – and saying they'd be willing to make it is kind mm-hmm. of – understating the fact that it's not that bad of a drive anyway, but that's a perfect regional setup and it's going to draw well, but 85 to 90% of the time it's, that's not going to happen. And it's going to be like when they had headed in Toledo a couple years ago and they had Notre Dame at that, that's a two and a half hour drive and it still drew like crap at an arena that holds like 7,000 people. So (laughs) I, I agree. Campus sites are up until the frozen four would be really cool. I want to end today's podcast with a bit of a story from the past week. Hey, before uh, you start, did he tell you who he was, quote-unquote, yeah. scouting up there? Uh, he did not. Well, I know I know some things, but I only know so many things I can say Fair. on this podcast. Um, the, but the, uh, so last Wednesday, I went to the Colorado Avalanche Detroit Red Wings game in Denver which was between two teams that are, I think, what, last and fourth for last right. in the NHL right now? I'm, 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 yeah. um, Detroit and Dallas are always flipping back and forth between who's, la- who's where in the first overall pick odds race. Um, so went to this game between two bad hockey teams, and we were driving to the game, and we get a... Uh, I went to the game with Jeff Tyner, someone Ryan knows, and no one else will get this reference at all. So I went to the game. So I went to the game with, with Jeff Tyner, and Jeff and I are taking a uh, take a Lyft or an Uber or whatever car he called to get from his apartment to the game. And we're going there, and the woman in the car with us is telling us is this woman I th- says, "Well, I'm a big uh, oh, I'm a big hockey fan, but people here, but people here don't like that don't like the team." I'm like, "Oh, oh, yeah. Well, what, what team do you root for?" And she says, oh, well, I'm a huge Phoenix Coyotes fan. What? Huge Phoenix Coyotes Yikes. fan. Yikes. Throwback. And uh, so I said, oh, that, that's, that, that's interesting. What, uh, what, what player do you like on the team? And she says, oh, well, they've got this guy. His, his, name's, his name's Shane Lone. He's Shane he's Lone. Player. Yes. <laughs> so Shane Lone, it's like, yeah, he's he's he's, one, he's probably one of the better players in the NHL right now, and uh, <laughs> so I, and so I am like, I've decided I'm okay. It's only a short Uber ride or or whatever, and I'm like, okay, this is uh, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to continue to engage in this conversation. So we get there. And then I intentionally gave her less stars on Uber because clearly she was lying or she was dumb. I'm not sure which, because Shane, Shane Lone of the Phoenix Coyotes is not a real person. 
and she said loan multiple times. It wasn't like it wasn't someone like it wasn't someone who like misspoke trying to say don. It was actually loan like wow. That's and that was the ride to the games. And so then I get to the game, and uh, the the game is about the game at the Pepsi Center is probably about it's probably about eighty percent full, and of those eighty percent, probably about eighty percent of the people there are Red Wings fans. Just like it felt like a Detroit game, a Detroit home game. While it was with all the Colorado audiovisual game setup and everything like that, and we're sitting about we're in the second and third period. We're sitting about. 14 rows from 14 rows to the left side of the uh, of the net the avalanche uh, shoot shoot at twice and there's some people in front of us who obviously make enough money to be the type of people that have season tickets 13 mm-hmm. rows from the ice and so at one point during the game they with about 10 minutes with about 15 minutes left in the game one the one guy comes back carrying I kid you not, a six by four card, two six by four cardboard boxes of beer. No, 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 like, like big, like it must have been like a framed jersey oh, or I big, like you. something like that, like, okay. like big, like. And he sits it down right in front of us in the seats, and and take and we reach the moment where it's literally all of a sudden now I have a cardboard box right in front of me, mm-hmm. and. We're getting to the point where it's 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 kind of like that meter in your head where it's like, okay, if he doesn't make a decision to move this within the next 30 seconds, I'm saying something. Luckily, he does. But so what he does is he ends up turning the cardboard box sideways. And these two guys who bought the thing, they, they, the two guys who bought the thing are somewhat portly gentlemen. Um, so now, so for the rest of the game, and they turn it sideways, so it's not blocking my view anymore. But so for the rest of the game, they're holding these cardboard boxes in front of them, and they have their two wives or girlfriends or whatever sitting in between them, who they've now squished into the seat space, squished into this seat space where they're like, uh, basically they're smushed up right against the cardboard box, and they're having them hold the box for the next 15, for the, for the final 15 minutes of regulation. And then... After the game, after the game, the usher comes down to them and says, by the way, you know we could have just checked that for you. 